It is another edition of Making Money. I'm Gordon Whitehead along with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager, meaning he took care of people's financial affairs for about four decades. We want to do this as a little bit of financial literacy for somebody who may be a neophyte investor, a first-time investor, even if you're sophisticated, maybe we can pass along a little nugget that you weren't aware of previously. This time we're going to talk about something kind of, as you said last week, Ron, this is hot off the press, right? Hot off the press. April 1st was the date that the first home savings account came into being. So it's only been a couple weeks, and investors really need to focus on this because uh, this is one of the best things I've seen in a very long time. So probably since the TFSA, I would think, right? I would say so. Yeah. So, okay, what? how does this work? Who's eligible? What are the machinations involved here? Well, it's geared to the first home uh, buyer. Now, a lot of people might not even look at the details because they're saying, well, I've, I've had a home before. I don't qualify. But a first home, a first time home buyer, by definition, according to this account, includes you or your spouse or common law partner who have not owned a home uh, you lived in during the calendar year in which you opened the account or at any time in the preceding five years. So if you haven't owned a home in a while, you can qualify for this program. It's not exclusive to individuals who have never, ever owned a home. So it's worth paying attention because the benefits are, uh, as we'll go through, are truly amazing. So is there some tax refund ability here, or what's the story? Well, it kind of combines the best of both worlds, the RSP and the TFSA. So contributions can produce a tax refund like an RSP. So if you put money in, you get to deduct that from the income that uh, you, it, your income payable. And so if you can reduce your income payable, then you reduce the amount of tax you pay. But coming out, typically you put money into an RSP, it comes out and it's taxed at your then uh, tax rate. But contributions and gains first for a first home savings account aren't taxed when they're pulled out. So they're like a tax-free savings account. So tax-free savings account, you're putting after-tax money as it goes in. And then any growth that comes along in the period that it's in there, when you pull it out, you're not paying any tax on those proceeds. So the first home savings account has the best of both worlds, the tax deductibility on the contributions, but no tax when the money comes out. So uh, it's actually better than both of them. So I'm trying to get my head around this. Can you, can you put stocks in here? Like, can, can you use your contribution, buy stocks and have it grow? Or is it yes, capped? You can, no, you can put, uh, as, as far as I understand from looking at the, the legislation, um, investments that would qualify for an RSP also qualify for uh, this uh, FHSA. So, um, you know, there's a there's a, a, a few minute uh, details that are different, like the minimum age to open a first home savings account is 18 years. Contributions are different. You can contribute annually up to $8,000. Your lifetime contribution is 40000 and uh, once you open one of these accounts, you can only have it open uh, for 15 years. So it's a little different than both the tax-free savings account or the RRSP. But as far as how you invest, they're the same. Hmm. 
What about any unused contributions or carry-forward provisions here? Carry-forward provisions are, once you open the account, the carry-forward provisions are like the tax-free savings account in the RSP. If you don't use it one year, you can carry it forward and uh, use it the other. And uh, the only uh, eventual limits you'll have on this thing is that funds in your first home savings account have to be used by December 31st of the 15th year after opening your first HF or FHSA account or the year you turn 71. Once you turn 71, the party's over. But <laughs> you, you actually get to roll this stuff into a registered retirement savings plan. And I had to read this twice, Gord, and it doesn't impact your RSP contribution room. So you can roll, let's say you had 40000 in there and you decide not to buy a home. You could roll this into an RSP and it's not going to affect the, the, the annual contributions you make. So it's not going to reduce it. Um, you have to be a resident to qualify. There's no, these are all individual plans, so you can't open a spousal plan like an RSP. And for the funds to qualify, you must actually plan to live in a home, in the home that you bought within a year of buying or building it. So you've actually got to move in and live in the home. So you can't speculate on this stuff. I'm sure that some wise guy will find uh, a way to circumvent some of these rules. But right now, um, if you, you, you put money in a home, you actually have to go and live in it. Okay, so I want to circle back to this where you've got the 40, the 15 years are up. You could roll that into your RSP. Well, then you're going to have a tax haircut at the end of it, right, when you start withdrawing yeah. from your RSP. What if you just, you just can't hang on to the money? Otherwise, it's probably going to be taxed, isn't it? It's uh, You're going to have to either, uh, at the end of 15 years, um, if you don't buy a home, there's going to be tax consequences on this. So most people will roll it into a registered uh, retirement savings plan. Because let's say you open one of these at 30 and you haven't bought a house at 45. Well, you can always roll it into an RSP and not touch it till you're 65. So it would have another 20 years of compounding before you paid any taxes. Okay. Yeah. So interesting, man. This is good. I wonder who dreams this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a lot of guys around a table with a good bottle of wine or something. Oh, I th what a great! I would love to have been a fly on the wall at night. So uh, let's get back. And we've talked about this on on making money over the the past several years. You know, why do you want to own a home? Well, it's one of the best investments you'll ever make, really, isn't it? For most people, owning a home is the definition of financial solvency and financial discipline. Uh, a recent study they did in Canada with homeowners between the ages of 55 and 64, uh, these homeowners, including their home, had a median net worth of $952,100. Renters in the same age group had a net worth of 40000 I mean, people that actually bought and owned a home had lots of other assets. This makes homeowners almost 24 times wealthier than renters. And historically, the financial path to home ownership has been one of the most consistent ways to build long-term wealth. So, I mean, I look at this first homeowner, first home savings account as a gift horse in the mouth. And I think if you're saving for a home or you haven't owned a home in a while and you meet the qualifications, this is just a wonderful plan. So let's break this down. Who should own a house? Do we want to, I guess it's easy to say everybody, but we know that's not feasible. 
Well, if you're going to be able to stay in, a, in one location for a while, moving expenses and short-term ownership can kill profit potential. If you have a stable relationship, splitting up usually means selling, and there you get the costs associated with it. And you might not, if you're breaking up, you might not be selling in a very good market. And if you've got to move to another location, it might not be a great time to sell. So you want to be able to put some roots down. If you expect long periods of stable income, so gig workers, if you go from feast to famine, uh, you end up in a 2,000 square foot condo that's fully furnished in the 40th floor of a building uh, one minute and you're sleeping on your buddy's couch the next. Uh, you probably aren't having a point at a point in your life where you have the stable income you need to buy, so you're better off renting. And if you don't think you'll be able to pay off a house before you retire, because if you don't have a lot of money going into retirement and you're paying a big mortgage, it can be really the kiss of death to your lifestyle in retirement. Should everybody that's eligible have one of these, Ron? What's your take there? Or do we, would we put them in the basket with RSPs and TFSAs? Well, I think it it has all the benefits of TFSA and, and uh, or a lot of the benefits of the TFSA and a lot of benefits of the RSP. And because with TFSAs and RSPs, you have the ability to carry forward contributions for future years, uh, you can certainly make them up later. And right now, because um, many people are saving for a home and are just struggling because of high real estate costs, and of course, financing them has gone up with rising interest rates, this would be a good thing to focus on first. And, and isn't there, there is a means test, and you have to have a fairly large down payment, larger than you used to have to have, I think, don't you? Yeah, of course, governments have gotten concerned that uh, with people being able to get into homes with virtually nothing or, or low mounts down, that if anything happened, uh, for the financial institutes giving the, the really high ratio mortgages, uh, there was there's really, there was big risk to the fi- the integrity of our financial system if people started defaulting. So they really tightened up the rules in Canada, and uh, so it's made it harder for people because they have to have much bigger down payments than before. And um, this allows you to be able to do it because you can put tax free money in this. Okay, so there you go. The first time homeowners account it's uh it's something new as we say april 1st was when it first came into existence so there's a little bit of a a brief pricey on how they work you should do a little bit of studying on it and find out if it's right for you next week we're back with gas not that we're going to need pepto-bismol or not the kind that we put in our car Uh, well i guess maybe some people use hydrogen don't they or maybe we're not quite there yet we're going to talk about industrial gases that's an entire sector of the con- economy that is often referred to as one of those stealth sectors. Nobody talks about it. And what we try to do on this show is we try to give you a complete financial education. We go through markets sector by sector, talk about how to invest in them, what are their growth drivers, what are their risks, uh, expand on the sector and, and help you to understand who the big players are in that sector. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing next week. So hope you can join us. Remember, if you have a suggestion or a question to follow up on what we discussed today or any other show, you can email us to our website, letsmakemoney.ca or through cfcw.com. We're back again next week. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. 
Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.